everyone. Welcome to Chit Chat Connoisseur, a Hey Alicia podcast. You can subscribe and listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor FM. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Chit Chat Connoisseur, a Hey Alicia podcast. Today, I am super excited to have a very, very special guest on the show. Um, we're going to be talking about Black voices and poetry. So today, our amazing special guest is Audie Barnes, who is a UCF alumna, uh, founder of We Have Voices, also a Black poet and essayist. Okay, let's get that in there. Um, so Audie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you. This is like totally overdue as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> totally overdue. Um, but I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome to the show. I mean, we typically try to get into, um, you know, just chit-chatting about anything and obviously the topic at hand. And I think it's actually really important to um, celebrate Black voices and celebrate, um, you know, celebrate uplift Black people, quite frankly, at this, at always, right, but at this yeah. time in particular. And uh, of course, we're celebrating National Poetry Month. So I think that's just as important too. shed a little light about that. So we like to start off the show um, with a life hack or something new that you've learned this week. Try to, I, I, I like TikTok and I talked about this on my last episode. Mm -hmm. I know I'm a millennial using TikTok, woohoo! But um, <laughs> I love TikTok and they always have these little like stupid life hacks. So something that I saw this week on TikTok, which is making me question if I'm breathing properly at this point <laughs> is <laughs> they have like, if you have like a pot, you know, like you're cooking on the stove pot of like pasta or something like that, right. the lid that you take off of a pot, it's supposed to rest on the handle of the pot. Like that's, literally what? where the lid is supposed that's what I said I was like I've been putting the, the with the condensation like on top of something yeah. and it's like things dripping no apparently you're literally supposed to just go like you know take the lid off the pot and just place it on the handles on the side of the pot and just place it there and it rests there I'm upset <laughs> <laughs> I usually just like put it on the counter with the handle down it's like rolling all over the place it's like, like doing the, the yeah it's doing like the dancing floating man like on the counter that's what I I yeah. saw the video and I was like what and then I tried it and it actually does work I think probably for some pots it might slip but for the most part that's apparently what part of the reason the handles are there that's I, wild I just I yeah I don't even know if we're again breathing properly at this point but that's my life hack that I've learned this week I hope somebody learned from that thank you <laughs> <laughs> what about you do you have any life hacks anything um, to share with us I have, it's probably not a life hack and people have probably heard this like a million times, but I saw this on one of the Welsh twins videos. I don't know if it was Robert or James, um, but he had a great life hack that was like, before you go on a Zoom meeting, if you're going to do your makeup, do your makeup on camera and like see how it looks to the actual Zoom camera and it'll come out way, way better, which I forgot to do today. So that's why my makeup looks like trash. This. <laughs> Is that a thing? Like they tell you to do that? Cause I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like if you're gonna go on a zoom meeting and you like want to look your best but like the lighting in your room isn't great you can just like highlight the areas you really want to highlight through the zoom camera and just looking at yourself and it's really helpful hmm, interesting that's actually a really great point because you're right sometimes the lighting it you know i have like my vanity desk and that lighting is i have a ring light right. there because i'm obsessed with makeup and doing my makeup but, <laughs> but i mean there's sometimes the the lighting is a little bit like different than mm -hmm. it would be um with the the zoom camera so that that's actually a really good hack i'm gonna try that next time mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. just have all your ring lights up the same thing that you would do during your actual zoom call and then just turn on zoom and do it directly and do it directly yeah i love that thank you for sharing i'm gonna try that now i actually have this like a clip on zoom light uh ring light too that's mm -hmm. like you clip on the desk it's very interesting but it um yeah, <laughs> I think I got it on Amazon or something. Um, and then I have another one here just because this is not enough. This is good sure. for like, yeah, this is good for like other calls. But when you, you know, want to do a little YouTube situation, this is mm -hmm. not enough. But yeah, awesome. I love that. So thanks for sharing your life hacks. We, you know, we like to be productive because sometimes mm -hmm. we talk about foolishness. Not that today's topic <laughs> is foolishness, but sometimes I talk about foolishness. Um, so we like to be somewhat productive and give people something, you know, walk away with a little life hack. So thank you. Yeah. 
Love it. So today we are going to talk about Black voices and poetry. And I'm really, really excited about this. Um, you know, Audie and I were kind of talking before and I, I said, we really, you know, as Black people need some joy and need some hope and need to, um, again, amplify Black voices and empower our people because right now it is kind of a strug. I feel like we're all just tired and exhausted and on this like struggle bus of just, you know, Black people getting killed by police officers and yeah, and like just kind of still, we're still in the, the, I believe, kind of in the Black Lives Matter movement very much so. Oh, and, you know, kind of, especially, you know, as being a Black woman, you know, and, you know, dealing with corporate America and just dealing with all that comes, you know, with being a Black woman in, in, in a partnership or in a family or it, it's just, it's a lot. Okay. So I'm very happy that we're talking about this and, and kind of um, tuning into our creative side and how we can use writing um, and words and voices to kind of heal, I believe. I think everything is about healing. So Let's get into it. So Audie is, um, again, a poet and uh, essayist. And uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got into writing and poetry. Sure. So I am a teaching graduate from UCF. I actually got my master's there. Um, and I started in that program as fiction uh, before switching to nonfiction and poetry. And the reason I switched to poetry, um, just to go back a while, I've never really thought like, kind of throughout grade school, you're sort of taught like the quintessential poetry, like the quintessential po uh, poets. So you're mm -hmm. kind of taught like Wordsworth and Shakespeare and like those kinds of poets. So for me, poetry felt really inaccessible when I was younger. Like there wasn't really a ton of people who looked like me in poetry or sounded like me in poetry. Mm -hmm. Like I think throughout grade school, like the one or two poets that you hear are like Langston Hughes and like Maya Angelou. And <laughs> my, like, I was like, Maya, it. don't forget our girl. <laughs> Langston Maya, that's it. Like, I didn't see, I always saw poetry as like this really stuffy and like professional and academic thing. Like it wasn't something that you do when you're joyful, um, which is something that I've learned um, over time. So I've only really been super active in poetry in the last two to three years. Um, because in grad school, I had the opportunity to go to a writing conference in Portland called AWP. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a panel called How to Eat Your Watermelon in Mixed Company and Enjoy It. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <I'm alone. laughs> that's funny yeah and I like went into this uh poetry reading because my my friend Malcolm was like who's like one of the only other you know black people in my program I was like the only black person in my incoming cohort he's like you've got to go to this panel Denise Smith and Kimmy Felix are going to be there it's gonna be incredible and I'm like okay cool I guess I could look at listen to some poetry for like 30 minutes whatever no big deal walked in there and was like absolutely astounded by how like wow. moving and powerful and lyrical this poetry was because like it was it was by people like me it was by um black people who like went through a lot of the similar experiences that I did who went through an MFA program specialized in poetry and were like I don't want to say gods of poetry that's like a little much a little I that's <laughs> I aggressive <laughs> But like they were, they were so skilled and they had like a masterful handle of this craft that I thought was like completely out of reach for me as a black woman. Um, so it was just, it was incredibly moving. And I'm like, I want to do that too. That's mm. what I want to do. Um, and I, I changed my specialization from, from fiction to primarily poetry and then also essay. Um, and I just haven't really looked back. I, I strongly believe that like poetry is an intrinsic part of the black movement um mm -hmm. I think that black people have been sort of telling stories through lyricism for a very long time in different ways mm -hmm. and poetry is really reflective of that and I think we kind of overlook poetry as sort of a genre um because we've been taught it's for like older white people and I kind of want to destigmatize that in a sense. We kind of overlook it the way that white society overlooks us. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty cool. 
I love that. It's it's funny when you thought when you were kind of talking about um, you know when we're growing up in school and the poetry that they talk to us about and that you teach and you learn. It's Shakespeare. It's it's Robert Frost. It's right. Like, you oh know, it, I know. It's like you know. I'm just thinking of all these all these poets that growing up and with the exception of you know haikus that you learn and things right. like that. It, it essentially they're all white men or white women. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you really my Angelou Langston Hughes are a lot of the only poets or two of the only poets that you kind of really hear about, right. um, you know, when you're learning uh, English and, and literature. So I think it, you're right. It's really important that we shed light that there are a lot of other black um, voices. And it's funny, you said it's a type, it's a, it's a lyricism and mm-hmm. black people, this is, this is us, right? I mean, we, it's through poem, through music, which is mm-hmm. a huge thing. Um, and uh, I even think when you talked about poetry, I even thought about uh, like spoken word and like rap yeah. music. And mm-hmm. that, I mean, I think rap music is a form of poetry, I mean, oh, you know? Um, so that it really is the way that we express ourselves. But I think again, people, um, they might think it's just out of touch to be a poet when it's essentially, that's what we're doing with, with words in songs and, you know, mm-hmm. and in rap songs and so on and so forth. So I think it's fantastic. Now, I did mention earlier that this month is National Poetry Month. We're in April, by the way, guys, if you forgot, I know the year is <laughs> fast, but we're in April. Um, but this month is National Poetry Month. So tell me a little bit about the importance of that and, you know, how we can highlight poetry in, you know, modern times using social media and just this internet age that we're in right now. Yeah, so National Poetry Month um, was actually established in 1996. Um, and I learned this today, actually, it was, um, it was thought of and established because of the popularity and the success of Black History Month and Women's History Month, mm. that they're like, okay, these, these other movements are sort of um, making that history and making the, the uh, thought leaders of those movements much more popular and much more accessible. We need to do this with poetry. Um, which is which is super cool because like I said before, access to poetry is is kind of con- or it feels to me at least confined to um, people who have done better in society. So you know, like wasps and stuff like that, and people who uh, attend higher education, which mm-hmm. we are denied a certain amount of access by being black people. That's right. Um, so having National Poetry Month, although it doesn't necessarily heighten the access specifically for communities of color, but it actually does increase that access. It makes it more accessible by, by you know, having events, um, which now in this day of age are way more accessible because of Zoom um, and Zoom having, um, what what is it called? Like the ability to integrate closed captioning. So people who um, are deaf and hard of hearing, who like would go to readings in person and just like be stuck there unless someone would give them a pamphlet through Zoom, you can actually introduce um, live captions and be able to like listen in a sense and, and and commune with that poetry in a way that they didn't have access to before. It, it makes it accessible. It, yeah. I mean, it really makes it accessible. And I was actually, it's funny that you said about Zoom meetings and, and you know, it, even in social media in the world nowadays, mm-hmm. a lot of people are using closed captioning and they're using captions so people can feel included. And it's not right. just the visual. And like you said, someone goes to, you know, a reading um, pre-pandemic and um, yeah, they're kind of like, all right, <laughs> you know, what's going on? Is there someone right. that, you know, is signing the poem? Is there something, right. you know, so exactly. yeah, I agree. I agree. That's awesome. So I actually, it's funny. I, we were talking a little bit about social media. So there is a poet um, and her name is Rupi Kaur. Oh, Rupi Kaur, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I follow her stuff, and I, I think of that when I think about how we can bring poetry and kind of bring this, um, this art, as far as I'm concerned, bringing it to social media. And I think sometimes people don't realize that they're reposting these things and not realize like this is poetry, poetry like this is a poem, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and I guess that's a way that we can um, kind of bring it to the modern world. So with that being said, let's mm-hmm. talk about our girl. Let's talk, let's get into Amanda. Uh, let's get into Amanda uh, Borman, people. I mean, me and Audie, we stand. So if you don't, <laughs> I don't really know what to tell you because the next <laughs> however many minutes is going to be talking about the amazing Amanda Gorman who um, read a poem at the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who Kamala Harris is the first female vice president of the United States. Anyway, so um, 
who's Jamaican and Indian. Anyway, so um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So Amanda Gorman is um, an incredible poet who spoke at the inauguration. And when I tell you, I was, I mean, we were sitting in the living room watching it and I like stood up and was like, I cannot believe what I'm hearing yeah. out of this small little, you know, black girl's mouth. And she mm -hmm. was so powerful and I was so moved and everyone, you know, on the stage was just like, wow, what a powerhouse. Mm -hmm. And she blew up after that because yeah. she was around, but she blew up after that. So let's talk about that representation and, and what it means. Cause sis, woo. Mm. I am constantly in awe of her and I don't want to be in awe of her because I don't want to think of her as a symbol. I want to think of her as like how powerful it is to have access to poetry and share that with other people. Yeah, so right. I need to remember that she is a person, not a figure. Mm -hmm. um, but she is representative of everything that I could have had when I was younger and mm. what I didn't. Mm -hmm. um, fun fact, I actually heard her uh, read poetry for the first time because of a commercial for uh, the United Way. Last year, they did a commercial called, um, I think, United We Stand or something like that. And mm -hmm. she reads poetry over that commercial. So I was listening, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was probably playing Jenga or something like that. <laughs> Not <laughs> Jenga. Yeah. <laughs> probably drunk Jenga. I went through a Love that. period of alcoholism <laughs> last year, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Judging. <laughs> no judgment here. Trust. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this like commercial came on in the middle of whatever show that we're watching. And it's just Amanda Gorman reading poetry over like some, you know, like inspirational images, but I like stopped and literally like started crying from a commercial wow. because of Amanda Gorman's poetry. She was even younger than she is now. And she was also the first, um, what is it, the national, yes, the first National Youth Poet Laureate, um, which is awarded to very young poets who are like extremely distinguished in, in their field. So like she, she has the references, like she is that good. Like it's not just some random like person that they're like, oh, she's pretty good at this. We're going to like elevate her. No, she like has those skills. She's cultivated this skill. Um, and she is at the top of her game and I am so wow. excited to see where she goes from here. Cause like, she's still got at least 60 years left to like, that's yeah. right. That's cause she's yeah. what, like she's 20 in or 20. Yeah. She's yeah, in still her 20s. super young. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is her time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the other thing is like, imagine seeing her when we were in like elementary school or middle school or high, like being able to like see her represented in the media and see her get her loyal laurels, see her get her flowers like this young is just an example of like the skill that we could all have achieved if we were younger and had those people to look up to, had those um, examples of how great that we could be. And I think in addition to that, just like the idea of her as a symbol, but also the fact that her poetry is also saying like, we can do better if we're all together. Like we can do, it's very possible. I am an example of this. Mm -hmm. And I, I am so inspired by her. I really, really am. And it really drives me to, you know, engage with black poetry even more. Like I've always been inspired or at least since I started poetry, I've been inspired by, by black poetry and like seeing that represented on a national scale, seeing that in an inauguration and then the Super Bowl, like <laughs> that's incredible. I, right? It's so cool. It's, it's so, I mean, again, I'm in, like you said, you want to, it's more so you want to stand the symbol, maybe just mm -hmm. not like her, but right. it's just, it's so hard not to. I, mean, I know. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, it's funny, you kind of brought up representation and I, going back to that, it's, I don't think people realize how important it is to see as a black woman, you know, mm -hmm. us as an example to see another black woman does some, do something and make right. it somewhere and then kind of bring other black women along with yes. them. And in the case of black men, or even seeing a black man, I mean, when Barack Obama became president in 2008, yeah. I was sobbing. I mean, I was in mm -hmm. college and like, we were all, you know, all of us were running around campus, like lunatics it was the first right. time I ever voted for a president. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was, so I'm like a, a black, a like a black man's president, like what is happening? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and it, again, it makes you feel good. And I, I just remember 
you know, the men on campus the next day, like all the black men and I, you know, and the football team, it's it just like walking with their chest a little yeah. you know, out and, and everyone's so <laughs> confident, like, wow, we did it. And yeah. the same thing. And for me, seeing Kamala become vice president was like, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I mean, obviously it was crying and um, per usual, but I mean, it just was, it was just so, so moving it. Or when you see, you know, a black person win like the Oscars or again, like a writing award, it's just, it's very moving. And I don't think people realize that that's on a larger scale, but even in corporate America or even in these mm-hmm. smaller um, capacities, seeing Black people, a Black person as a CEO or a Black yeah. person as a director or a Black person, you know, running this sort of business and kind of just that representation helps so much. And I don't think mm-hmm. people realize that. And to your point, when we were growing up, we didn't have that. And like you said, imagine if we saw someone like her, mm-hmm. I mean, doing the thing. Can you imagine? We, I mean, yes. there would be black poets everywhere. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, what I'm, that's another thing is like, she's going to inspire so many young black women to start writing poetry. She's going to inspire so many kids in general to start writing poetry. Yeah. I yeah. saw the other day, um, uh, a picture of um, a little boy, a little white boy, um, wearing Amanda's coat and her headband because he was so inspired by her. And it's like, it's it, it, that access is like, it's beneficial to everyone, not just black kids, but black kids have also that, that extra, that extra little bit of like, this is someone who looks like me who's doing yes. this. Yes. Yes. Amen. I love that. I love that for us. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then again, tying into the importance of black voices, actually something I wanted to kind of talk about was we spoke of you know I guess the struggle of black people particularly in the in the you know United States United I'm using air quotes but United (laughs) United States of America um and just thinking about just some of the challenges that we've had as a people and as a race and I, I think about how we express our sorrow, how we express our happiness, you know, our joy and our pain and our just everything is always through, it's typically through song. And, and again, right. we kind of talked about that earlier, how much songs are poetry, essentially. And Black people, we cling to that because that's really, that's kind of what we have <laughs> if right. you think about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it kind of goes into just it being so important to have that access. And again, this is another way for people to have access to express ourselves. I mean, it's really hard when you kind of feel like you're going up against this. Just It's just like a wall, I feel sometimes. Yeah. And I feel like we, you know, we chip away and we make like a smidge of progress and then you get really right. excited. But then something else happened and it's like oh we're back in the civil rights era like I, I don't right. understand you know um so again I just t- talk a little bit more about that about why you know that's so important to healing as black people and to just expression probably as black yes. people um I think I mentioned before that black people have been using lyricism forever basically like going mm-hmm. back to like Negro spirituals going back to um the onset of of so many forms of of lyrical music being at the forefront of jazz and swing, uh, hip hop, rap, rap is a huge one. And like, we have those skills because we've been cultivating it for generations. It's, it's an intrinsic, intrinsic part of a lot of um, foundational black cultures. It's why I think, honestly, there are so many different forms of black music. Like you have soca, like just in the Caribbean, you've got so many (laughs) forms of, so many genres. (laughs) that alone Um, (laughs) yeah yeah. and it's because we've we've sort of developed them in a rich cultural um microcosm so like jamaica's sound is going to be similar to like let's say the dominican republics but it's not going to be the same like they're going to be marked differences um and i think that part of the reason that's so what's the word like it's such a foundational part of the culture is because it's storytelling, which is another foundational part of, of, you know, the Black experience. We tell stories. Um, I think of every Jamaican funeral I've ever been to. At the repast is when we talk about the stories of that person's life. Like, it's a Mm -hmm. joyful, celebratory experience. And, of course, it's going to transfer into our songs. Um, And, of course, we're going to do it in a skillful way. We're going to do it in in rhyme, in rhythm. We're going to do it in those ways. And I think that we've been incorporating that poetry into our lives for far longer than we recognize. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's because we don't want to call it poetry in our heads because we've been taught that poetry has to be this very lofty um, sort of 
not emotional, like emotional in a sense, but like it encapsulates a, it encapsulates an experience that we didn't used to have access to. Like, like we um, feel like we can't relate, you know? Exactly. Like I don't, <laughs> this is going to be controversial. I don't like Shakespeare. <laughs> And I, whoop, no, I'm just <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I'm a th- I, I'm a thespian. I grew uh, up in theater, so for me, okay, so not no, go. not saying anything. <laughs> I mean, you definitely grew up, and it's like Romeo, Romeo, and you know Macbeth yeah. and Double Double, all these things. But it, I mean, it's Shakespeare. It's not like I'll, I'm a die, but so I get it. I get, and if you compare that to black poetry it's like it's two different things and if you're hearing Shakespeare all of elementary and middle and high school you're gonna of course you're gonna think that it's not accessible it's not relatable (laughs) or it's not relatable yeah yeah and the other thing is like when I read watched listened to Romeo and Juliet and stuff like that it was never a black woman like I didn't see myself <laughs> represented in the actual media I was consuming. So I was like, all right. Like Claire Danes. <laughs> it's like, it's not me. Leonardo DiCaprio. And yeah. Like, it was yeah. never, I think we're, actually, no, this is why I remember Romeo and Juliet. And it's because of Mercutio, who's a black man. He's and a like, black it man. the best performance of that movie. He understood the assignment. Okay. He sure did. He sure did. Just like Queen Latifah in all of her myriad roles. She's incredible. Facts. I'm just going to let that go. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think, um, I think that lyricism is, is a part of our culture and being able to see that on a higher scale and see that in ways that like, we recognize and hear as enjoyable as opposed to like stuffy and uh clinical the way that we sort of engage with poetry when we're younger is really really um helpful and I think it's gonna open a lot of doors for um black poetry as well as other forms of poetry that are often underrepresented I think we make up like four percent of like published works really yeah it's, it's tiny it's pretty bad Wow. Um, wow. And if if you were a part of literary Twitter last year, you saw the firestorm. Because Not of it. literary Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's, it's funny. When I tell people, I'm like, man, Black Twitter was on fire yeah. today. They're like, aghast. They're like, Black Twitter? How could you? And I'm like, no, it's a thing. Like, yeah. like literary Twitter is a thing. Yes. Yeah. That's hilarious. Well, what do you think are some uh, resources for someone who, you know, is again, being inspired by, you know, published works or being a part of, or seeing hashtags on literary Twitter or, (laughs) you know, or even, you know, seeing Amanda Gorman on inauguration day. I mean, what, what are some resources? How can someone, you know, start writing poetry or a book or their experiences? Um, I think one of the, one of the most foundational ways to go about this would be just read widely, um, read Amanda Gorman, and then find more Black poets. Read Denise Smith, read Kimene Felix, um, Mahogany Brown, Jericho Brown. Like there are a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of um, active and incredible Black poets now um, who you could see yourself with, or, or see yourself in rather. Um, and I think that sort of inspiration is really, really helpful just to get started, to sort of listen to the genre that you want to get into and see if you want to write towards what they're doing or away from it. Do you want to do something different than the styles and techniques that they're using or do you want to emulate those techniques yourself? So just reading widely is a, is a really big one. Um, one of the things that I do, I spend a lot of time, like a lot of people in my notes app. Um, and the reason I do that is that poetry often becomes poetry when you experience something outside of the norm. Um, And what I mean by that is the most unlikely things can inspire you, can inspire a turn of phrase, a line um, that really speaks to you. And if it speaks to you, often it'll speak to someone else. Um, So like I just read poetry at, at a thing for the University of Central Florida MFA program. And it was inspired by, I actually ordered Jamaican food. I do it very rarely because Orlando is not the greatest hub for Jamaican food. <laughs> That's so sad. I feel like I there should be a hub, like like Jamaican food. Like every 15 miles. <laughs> yeah, someone, totally random. Someone the other day told me that they're, they live in Colorado or they moved there recently from South Florida and uh, they wanted some oxtail, you know, mm-hmm. with extra gravy and yeah. they had to travel to some 
a, a woman's house that cooks it and like sells it, oh you know, from her house. She cooks big batches of it. And he was like, it was the best thing that I ever had. But he had oh to travel God. an hour outside of Denver to get some Jamaican food. I'm like, what mm-hmm. nonsense? Anyway, I just, I just, See, this is like, why I can't move out of Florida. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I can't, you, you have like Jamaican food in Denver. I'm like, not one Jamaican person has, yeah, like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> anyway, so sorry. <laughs> Tell awesome. me more. <laughs> but, um, Oh my God, where is I going with this? Oh no, we're talking about the UCF uh, program, the read. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was inspired. We ordered Jamaican food. Um, I live with two two white people, um, but they are very open to to trying new things. And we had been trying literally four months to order from this one Jamaican place (laughs) because we had to order it on Uber Eats. And you know, Jamaicans are just like, we don't have that. Like always, always, (laughs) always. So our (laughs) orders kept getting canceled. They just can't. <laughs> so we just be like, okay, not today then. <laughs> oh my God, I'm laughing because it's so true. Yeah. Like you go to a Jamaican restaurant. This is like the most random sidebar, but it's infuriating. There's a Jamaican <laughs> restaurant down the street. It's like a bakery mm-hmm. down the street from us. And every time I I can go at like 11 a.m. and ask for a patty and they've run yeah. out of patties. And I'm like, and they just stare at me. And I, it's like the Diddy meme where like the, him and the guy are just yes. staring at each other and, and they just stare at me and I'm like, okay. And then I leave, <laughs> but I keep going back. It's so abusive. You're going to get it one day. That's the thing. You're going to get it on a oh day. Oh my you really God. <laughs> what a mess. Anyway, sorry. Jamaican food. But yeah. So we, um, we ordered food and we got, um, we got a loaf of hardo bread and oh I, God. I didn't realize I hadn't had hardo bread in like two years before that. So I took a piece of it off and I like, squished it a little between my hands and something about the texture really reminded me of my childhood um because we you know like when I was a kid in the summer we'd like get patties and cocoa bread and a ting and then like hang out on the sofa I'd hang out on the sofa with my dad and watch like an action movie and just me like holding bread like triggered that memory in me and triggered the poem that went with that memory sure so it's so yeah so like if I'll like squeeze bread and think like um can't remember what the phrase was like oh my god what was it I gotta find the poem but mm-hmm. it'll it'll often like bring up a line or bring up a saying that you've heard before and like just that can inspire a poem so like writing down all of these tiny little moments um that make your experience yours mm-hmm. um I think having access to those and sort of seeing where they intersect and seeing where they go away from each other is is a really cool thing to do to get at the heart of a poem so yeah so like utilizing your resource resources what's around you your notes app just kind of like jotting those things down it's so funny I'll never forget in college my probably my second semester third semester of college one of my um writing classes actually probably second semester um we were supposed to write about a memory um, and I think that was the assignment. I, I just not understood it. Okay. But I just, <laughs> but I, I, I want to say that it was about writing some sort of memory from childhood and, and be, you know, as descriptive as you possibly can. So we can, you know, smell what you're talking about and see right. it and feel it, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, I wrote about the, I'm originally, you know, uh, New Yorker, mm-hmm. you know, New York girl, but I wrote about the clicking of dominoes. And like yes. when your uncles are planting dominoes mm-hmm. and like you're cut, you know, you're old, the older people. And I, that was my memory, me being younger and like, you know, um, looking at all these big men sitting at a table and the clicking of the, and just mm-hmm. that, I remember the teacher kind of closing her eye, the professor and closing her eyes and going mm, like that, like she just had yeah. like a moment because she could visualize it herself and she can hear the clicking mm-hmm. of the dominoes. Um, so it's like little things like that. And, and again, if you're writing that down constantly, like you said, at some mm-hmm. point it might just like blend together Mm -hmm. and you can kind of form some sort of, you know, something from that. Exactly. Absolutely. The click, even when you did it, the clicking of dominoes, I'm like, that's poetry. That's a poem. (laughs) It's right there. I'm going to start writing some poetry. Let me get into Mm -hmm. this. You have, and that's the thing, you have the words for it. You just like, don't know yet until you start putting them down. It's like, that's when you're writing poetry is getting them on paper. Is getting it on paper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes too, I think people the way that we've been taught poetry, particularly in, in even from elementary school, you know, in middle school, they kind of teach you, you know, you have your limericks and you have mm-hmm. your haikus and you have, you know, all these things. So I, I think sometimes people think that 
it has to be a certain, like there, like it's a template and you have right. to fit into this template. And if it isn't fit into this template, then it's not a poem. And it's not, it's not going to be considered poetry because it's not in stanzas and it's not, mm -hmm. it's not like, whereas it doesn't have to be that way. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And black poetry is like well known for breaking that template and breaking that form and being like, okay, you want me to write a sonnet? It's going to be black as hell. Um, or, <laughs> or like mm -hmm. three verse is huge in the black community. Sure. Um, so like, uh, Denise Smith breaks incredible free verse. Like, I can't think of, I honestly can't think of a poem, a poet rather, a black poet who has not written free verse at some point mm -hmm. because we've been doing it forever. That's kind of like, like rap sort of has like meter and stanzas and stanzas and things like that but we use like slant rhymes and we're we're blending between lines like I think mm -hmm. for a long time when we wrote or when we read poetry rather it was kind of like there's a period at the end of every line yes yes <laughs> that's not, so I don't like that I'm sitting in middle school I'm not, I don't think you understand like in my middle school English class with it being like and has a period and then the next right. stanza and it was just like a format that again yeah. even the way that we learn how to do this it doesn't allow us to be, be truly creative you know what mm -hmm. I mean and and it kind of stifles up us a little bit let's be real right yeah you know mm -hmm. yeah and being able to to go outside the lines is really really fun too yeah, it's free because you're just like mm -hmm. YOLO and just writing all <laughs> kinds of shit, like, right. <laughs> like writing everything. So I, it's funny, we've, we've talked about rap a lot and about lyricism with rap artists and musicians. What, who do you think as a musician, dead or alive, is really mm -hmm. a poet? Like someone that you, when you think of music Ooh, or rap what? or whatever, and you're like, this is a poet right here. Um, old school, I'm going to say Prince. Mm! You um, know, that's my boo. Yeah, yeah, Prince is a big one. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go David Bowie too if we're saying like, but like black people is Prince. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, David Bowie, listen, David he Bowie, he yeah. can he's invited he was invited to the barbecue. Like David <laughs> David Bowie, like black people stand for David Bowie, and he was with Iman. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But okay, so Prince and David Bowie, old school. Um, new school. I'm gonna say Cardi B. Cardi B. Lie. Cardi yeah. B does some really cool stuff. Megan Thee Stallion also. I live. Um, Lil' Kim, 90s. Oh, hold on. What's the song? What was the song I was listening I know. Everything Lil' Kim just makes me happy. Yeah, Lil' Kim slaps. She's <sighs> fire. I gotta find it. It's it's gonna drive me crazy, though. No, you find it. I was, for me, and I really didn't appreciate his work. And um, I actually have a friend that, for years, was like, Tupac. Is oh yes and oh, I remember absolutely. I was like I'm from New York Biggie all day BK all day like I was in this like East Coast West I was like in fifth grade I don't even know what the hell I was thinking in fifth grade I was like writing hard for like East Coast a hot mess mm -hmm. and I got and I, again I have a friend that would always tell me like Alicia I'm telling you like Biggie Biggie was amazing and his yeah. flow was smooth but mm -hmm. I mean he was a poets like if you listen to his music mm -hmm. and then as I got older probably in the last like five six years I was like you didn't lie like I mean mm -hmm. Tupac's music is is poetry next like, level period it is mm -hmm. next level poetry it's it, it's just it, he goes from being like angry about you know everything because it's Tupac mm -hmm. to you know to having another song about you know, abortion or, or talking about, right. you know, the straw. I mean, oh God, I mean, Tupac, mm -hmm. that, that's what poetry means to me for me in music. Absolutely. But Not yeah. walking Cardi B though. <laughs> yeah. I love I think, Cardi B. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love up is like my current jam. Um, so much. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to queen bitch by Lil Kim. That oh, one's really yeah. good. And I'm going to say, no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not sure if I'm right. So I'm gonna leave it alone. But uh, Missy is another good one. Yes. Um, and, and the interesting thing is like, for everyone that I just mentioned, like there is a poet <laughs> that's yeah. doing the same thing just without music. Without music, yeah. Yeah, like if you're listening to Tupac, like you can, you can read Roger Reeves. Roger Reeves is pretty good. Um, I'm blanking on every poet I've ever ever heard of right now but like it's okay it, once we stop recording you're gonna be like oh my god yeah it's, don't worry don't for everyone listening we're going to put a list of all the poets that are Audie's faves and you can get into this so don't even worry if we forget something cool cool love to see it yeah so 
um, kind of wrapping this up, how do we uplift? And we talked about it a little bit, but uplift and empower the next generation of our writers and poets, um, particularly our black, you know, writers and poets. I think a lot of it's going to come from, <clears throat> in part, like, sh like sharing on social media is like sort of getting the ball rolling. But I mm -hmm. think the thing that's really going to get us over the hump and like really get children um, into poetry is to treat poetry the same way we treat music. Like mm. it's an integral part of our lives that we like, we do for fun, like anytime, like we do it when we're driving, we do it um, when we're working out. Like, it's just a, it's just a, a piece of art that like, we almost take for granted at times how easy access we have to it. Sure. Um, and I think the way that we share music to our kids, we should also be sharing poetry. Um, I know people who like have those headsets for their bellies when their child is gestating to listen to like Mozart, but like you can be, you know, it was like having poetry for your kids, like in yeah. the womb, you can read them poetry at night. Um, if your kid is like really into rappers, you can introduce them to spoken word artists. You can- Can you imagine the headset like over the belly and it's like Tupac? And yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, hey, you have a woke baby. There you go. And like, that's the thing is like, there's a certain level of respect almost that, I think like rap music, hip hop music, like music that's, what's the word? Music that has been created and made popular by black, uh, black artists is mm -hmm. not given the same level of respect that I think a lot of white art artists are. Like if you say like the Beatles, like greatest of all time, that kind of thing. If you mention like Cardi B in the same sentence of, as like the Beatles, you're like shamed for it. Mm -hmm. And I think getting rid of that shame, breaking down that barrier and being like, oh no, this is also a skilled artist um, mm -hmm. performing this like creative piece. I think getting that, that level of respect and like making it commonplace is gonna be really important to, to teaching young kids. Like you can do this too. Um, and like having them write poetry from, from very small. I don't think I wrote a, a, like a poem outside of like a school assignment until grad school. Um, uh, yeah, 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 I haven't, I mean, I couldn't tell you last time I written a poem. I yeah, mean, and there's, and there's a poem for, for absolutely everything. Like you can share poetry with your friends and it doesn't have to be this like weird thing. Like, oh my God, <laughs> Alicia, I, I like read a poem. Do you want, like, it doesn't have to be like that. Like sure. I had, I had a friend who was, who was grieving the loss of their mother and I sent them a poem. I sent them, which one was it? Um, where is it? Oh my God, I gotta find it. It was really, oh, it was Disbelief. It was mm. Disbelief by Camila Asia, uh, Camila Asia, Aisha Moon. Um, who mm -hmm. was a black poet and was writing about like the death of their mother and like struggling with um, that loss and not having them on earth. And and like that poem was really helpful to, to that friend. Like there is a poem for every occasion. Um, there's a poem for celebration. There's a, there's a poem for an inauguration mm -hmm. um, and just making it, just making it. I don't... Like normal, like every Yeah, life. just normalizing it. Yeah, normalizing it. I agree. I don't think we <clears throat> normalize it enough as we do in music, like you said. Um, and it doesn't have to be weird. Just sending a poem. It's like, if it, to me, you know, now that you said it, like someone, you know, a friend and they're grieving the loss of their mom. Um, some people send a prayer. You could send a poem. Exactly. Can, I mean, what's the difference, right? It's like, you. Yeah. it's the same, you know, it for some people it might carry the same spiritual moving weight that a prayer exactly. or a verse would. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, like you said, it's just a matter of normalizing it because it really is beautiful and it's impactful. And there mm -hmm. are some poems that, you know, my Angela's poems are, I mean, I could still, I lit, and again, I know it's because we heard it so much growing up, but mm -hmm. it doesn't take away from the fact that she was an incredible poet. And, and yeah. a lot of, you know, her poems I remember and I can still like hear and I can hear her voice when she reads it. And, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's about normalizing it and because it still is impactful. 
Mm-hmm. It's really impactful. So we actually have a couple of questions from some listeners that were sent in advance, which, you know, we encourage. So if you ever listen to an episode or you hear that we're going to do an episode, um, you can always reach out and email chitchatconnoisseur um, at gmail.com <laughs> with uh, some questions you have or even message us on Instagram. So um, we actually got a question that says, what types of poems and written works move you the most? Mm-hmm. For me, um, I think because the the first really impact impactful poem um for me it was during that conference um Mm -hmm. I was writing towards the idea of black identity and sort of the nuances the struggles the joys the celebrations um all the aspects of being a black person um that being the first time that I felt that through poetry those are still kind of the things that moved me the most um so I've been rereading uh, Terrence Hayes and Ross Gay um I just bought actually Black Girl Call Home by Jasmine Manns. Um, that is a poetry collection. It dropped pretty recently. So if you want to support that poet, um, I really recommend it. I've been hearing great things about it and I really can't wait to get into it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then what inspires your creative side? Um, most of my inspiration um, comes from, I mentioned the sort of like moments in time, like uh, touching Hardo bread. Um, sometimes the smell of a particular soap. There's like one particular brand of soft soap that reminds me of preschool. Um, so wow. like little inspirations like that are, are really inspiring, obviously, for my creative side. Um, but if I need to get into the mode of creativity, like if I need to work on a poem, if I need to work on an essay that I want to be fairly lyrical, I'll actually listen to um, tapings of poetry readings or I'll try to go to one um, in person while it's while it's occurring, um, because I find hearing it um, allows me to sort of take that lyricism into my own mind to sort of think about um, if a person is using a lot of slant rhyme, how that could apply to my own poetry. If a person is using um, like absolutely no seizure, like no end stops, anything like that. And that sort of windingness um, Mm -hmm. that a poetry can have um, and the anxiety that it can produce. I have um, I was actually, the reading that I just did at UCF, I have my friend Malcolm Kelly um, read, he read a poem about anxiety and how fast it was read, the rhythm of each word, if a word has more consonants than vowels, like all of those things can trigger a feeling in a reader as well as in a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to listen to that is really helpful to me. Really helpful. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Now, again, we are going to have all of these uh, poets that Audie's mentioned today and some of her favorite poems. I'm going to put it on, you know, hey, Alicia, I, I really, again, I think this is just really important. I think we need to normalize this and we need to normalize conversations about creativity and art. And, you know, um, I, I, it's funny. I, I always think of, uh, with black people in particular that we say we always say the black men for example like when Mm -hmm. you see black boys how like limber they are and they will run around and flip Mm -hmm. and jump and take them to like sky zone or something like Mm -hmm. that and even my nephews and they're doing like backflips and front flips Mm -hmm. and you know the whole (laughs) thing and they're like why aren't more black people gymnasts exactly like why are why aren't more black people gymnasts because we i mean black kids are literally so athletic and their bodies can do so much and they're so talented they can run and do all these things why but it's about opportunity. It's about mm-hmm. accessibility. So, you know, again, poetry and, and writing, they're different things, but I compare it to that. I, I, I think that we have such, it's ingrained in who we are. And mm-hmm. I think the more you practice it, the more you utilize it and the more you talk about it and, and mm-hmm. you're encouraged by someone else and you're amplified by someone else, it's really going to, I think it's going to blow up. And I, and again, yeah. I, I know we, I keep bringing it back to Amanda, but I mean, it's my show. I don't care, but I just, <laughs> I, just I can't help but like, when I was sitting there watching her, I was thinking all these just young, I mean, it was so powerful, these young, you know, black kids. And again, like you said, white kids, but just, you know, I want black people to feel like they are able to be a mm-hmm. part of something that is, is who we are. And it's been a part of who we are for generations and for centuries. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy you, you came, you know, to talk about this. I think it's hella important. Again, it's national uh, poetry month anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that's really important. I mean, it's celebrate diversity month, it's national <laughs> poetry month. So it's great to kind of tie you know these these two things together 
Mm-hmm. So thank you for coming. Thank you for talking and chatting with us. Of course. So I want to leave us with some, uh, usually we do like weekly, you know, inspiration and just, you know, it really inspires you a quote, a life suggestion. So Audie's going to kind of take us out um, with a quote or a poem rather that you would like to read. Sure. Um, this one is called, Won't You Celebrate With Me? And it's by Lucille Clifton. Won't you celebrate with me what I shaped into a kind of life? I had no model. Born in Babylon, both non-white and woman, what did I see to be except myself? I made it up here on this bridge between starshine and clay. My one hand holding tight my other hand. Come celebrate with me that every day something has tried to kill me and has failed. Thank Mm. you. Love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And remember, everyone, please follow Audie. You are on Instagram. Plug us. Plug yourself a little bit. Plug yourself. Um, yeah, I am on Instagram at that body, um, T-H-A-T-B-A-U-V-I, um, or that be Audie, depending on your mood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Every time I see it, I'm like, that. I always said that be Audie. And then I was like, but that body? I, like, it just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Oh man. But yeah, so on Instagram, I'm on Twitter at Audie Barnes. Um, I mostly share some stuff from literary Twitter. If you're trying to get into literary Twitter. <laughs> Can't get past literary Twitter. I need to get into this. Like the show, after the show, you need to tell me what hashtags I can follow to get into this literary Twitter. This is true. <laughs> um, I also, I have, I actually have a nonprofit organization called We Have Voices. It is, um, a uh, reading series that is um, that was made to amplify the voices of local Black Orlando writers. So if you know an Orlando writer that you'd like to um, hear read at one of our readings, please hit me up. If you are a writer yourself, of course, if you have ideas, anything like that. Um, we recently got confirmed as a charity, so we are also Ooh. accepting donations that you can write off on your taxes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Money, anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, um, sorry, our, um, my God, our nonprofit is on Instagram at WH Voices. Um, our website is we-have-voices.com. And that has um, all of our social links as well as links to donate if you are interested. And our first reading is, um, is on our website as well if you'd like to take a listen. Very exciting. And then where can we find some of your literary works? Ooh, anyone who would like to sponsor my next manuscript is welcome to. (laughs) But otherwise, um, I currently have one poem out in the offing. It's called Poplar Trees. You can find it there. Um, I don't have a lot of work published right now because I am one of those writers who like takes a year and a half to put anything out. (laughs) Um, So I've still got some stuff I'm working on. Um, I do occasionally um, have or am asked to speak at poetry readings. So um, if you follow me on uh, if you follow me on social media, um, I post when I'm going to be reading it, stuff like that. yeah that's awesome <laughs> and then your <laughs> website is www.audiebarns.com um so if you want to check that out and you know connect with audie there um please again follow her at that b audie or <laughs> <laughs> that body um on instagram and again just connect on social media we again i'm so happy to have you here today it's long long overdue um but you know what everything happens at the perfect time because it's national poetry month and we were able to connect now so it just worked out perfectly um but everyone thank you so much for listening again this is the chit chat connoisseur uh podcast i am alicia you can follow me on hey alicia hey on instagram twitter facebook twatter you know all of the things. Uh, and you can also get into the chit chat connoisseur on social media. 
and subscribe to our podcast. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, and more recently, Amazon Podcasts, which I'm super excited about. Thank you all again so much for coming today. I hope you were inspired. I hope you got out your notepads and started just writing random things that happened to you because we want a new generation of, uh, of poets and writers, and we really just want to amplify amplify voices around us, mm-hmm. um, particularly of our Black and Brown brothers and sisters. So thank you again. Thank you all for coming. Chat soon. For more information on Chit Chat Connoisseur Podcast, check out HayAlicia.com slash podcast. See you soon.